this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast the 5g telecom spectrum auctions ended on monday august 1st and have helped the government garner rupees 1.5 lakh crore this compares with the reserve price of rupees 4.3 lakh crore while the government says that the bid value has exceeded its expectations could it have earned more if the reserve prices had been more benign and because reserve prices were high for some bands and hence avoided by telecom operators would the quality of service to subscribers be impacted going forward let's hear what dr v sridhar has to say about the use and sale of spectrum as a national resource dr sridhar is professor center for it and public policy at the international institute of information technology bangalore he is also the author of data centric living algorithms digitization and regulations which is published recently professor sridhar lovely to have you back with us thank you for sparing some time to be with us to offer perspectives on the just concluded uh, 5g spectrum auctions thank you thank you bharat thanks for having me uh, on this hindu in focus session it's interesting sir uh, over the last few years uh, we've heard your uh, the reservations that you had on the reserve price sorry for the pun but uh, you had <laughs> some opinions about the reserve price and we noticed your recent article in the media as well saying that you know the reserve price actually meant that some of the bands went uh, unbid for or weren't sold we'll get into the details eh, but uh, very quickly i just did some back up the envelope arithmetic just so for the benefit of our listeners to understand we saw that 4.3 lakh crore was the value of spectrum available for sale we would assume that is the reserve price uh, overall but you know the minister actually said that about 70% of the spectrum available for sale had been sold but we see that the bids are only at a value of just about 1.5 lakh crore so which means you know and that's not even 35% of that 4.3 lakh crore that we mentioned which means different bands had different prices Uh, reserve prices and many went unsold so can you give some insight into how this pricing has been yes yes so bharat uh, as you as you have correctly pointed out uh, we have got only one fourth of the expected you know the valuation at the reserve price uh, in the whole auction and uh, even though uh, it is a fact that about 70% of the spectrum that was put on uh, put on block was sold so most of the spectrum that has been sold is on the higher frequency band uh, especially 3.3 gigahertz and 26 gigahertz now as i have mentioned in previous my previous articles uh, the reserve price for these bands especially the 3.3 gigahertz and uh, 26 gigahertz were uh, you know basically at the world uh, international level and uh, relatively lower compared to the uh, other frequency bands and therefore they were sold they were sold quite a bit and uh, the amount of spectrum that was bought by the various bidders in these bands are also very high so which means that lot of spectrum were sold at uh, the you know reserve price in fact exactly at the reserve price uh, for these bands but what is intriguing is that uh, the bands the sub gigahertz band especially the 600 800 bands were not sold at all uh, none of the blocks were sold in 700 megahertz only 40% of the spectrum which was put on block was sold the reason is that because of the high reserve price uh, and i have pointed out earlier also that the reserve price is almost at these bands especially the 600 700 megahertz band almost equal to the winning bid price in most of the international auctions which is very high 
right? And therefore, uh, there, there have been no takers. You know, for roughly 40%, only 40% of the sub-gigahertz were, uh, band were sold. So, uh, because uh, there was a huge uptake of uh, the uh, large amount of spectrum in the 3.3 and uh, 26 gigahertz, it looks as if, you know, 70% of the spectrum put on block has been sold. Of course, it is true. Uh, but the important thing is a lot of uh, spectrum also remains unsold. So, you also point out that in the sub gigahertz, you just mentioned, uh, especially 600, 800, 2300 megahertz, there have been no takers and very little sold in the 700, 900. 2100 and 2500 bands so which obviously means the reserve price was too high and wherever it was uh, you know bands have been sold many bands at the reserve price so what is the rationale that typically governments use in this case the indian government to say okay this is the reserve price is there an arithmetic formula that helps them arrive at it or it's just that you know what has happened internationally we should apply here which has turned out to be costly so if you were to counsel the government and if we had to go through the exercise again, what would you tell the government on the reserve price front? So exactly. So Bharat, uh, the methodology for fixing the reserve price is based upon uh, an increment over the uh, last auction winning bid price for that particular spectrum band. So for example, if you take the uh, 900 or 800 or 2300 megahertz which were sold in the last auction you take the winning bid price and then proportionately increase it a little bit and then make it as a reserve price that itself is a flaw right because we are pegging the reserve price based upon the winning bid price of the previous auction right uh, actually the reserve price as you know is the starting clock down price uh, which is again the lowest that anyone can bid for and therefore it cannot be uh, you know equivalent to for example the winning bid price of the previous auction so that is one uh, that is a very specific uh, mistake that we have been making the second thing is of course you know uh, the 700 megahertz which went unsold there is no benchmark uh, price available and therefore uh, trii has uh, recommended revision in fact, we have revised it quite a bit from this previous reserve price, previous auction reserve price to this year's reserve price. Uh, but still, if you look at the dollar value of the reserve price per megahertz per population, which is the, the metric by which the prices are measured, the uh, 700 megahertz is still, I mean, include taking into account the purchasing power parity is still very high. It is equal to the winning bid price, as I have mentioned before. So the methodology should be, uh, you know, what is the objective of the auction? The objective of the auction is to attract the true valuation, right? So, you know, in fact, the, the simultaneous multiple round ascending auction, the methodology that we use in our auctions is a well-proven methodology. It is uh, the objective of this methodology is to induce truthful bidding. So, which means that the bidders will bid at their valuation, right? And they will not go below, they will not go above that. But unfortunately, because of the high reserve price and uh, leaving no, cho no choices for acquiring spectrum, uh, they might, you know, for example, the 700 megahertz indeed went, you know, at most two blocks out of uh, five blocks in every uh, LSA, 22 LSAs has been picked up. Uh, at the reserve price, it may be above the valuation, right? Their valuation, which means that uh, the value for that particular user, uh, which is equal to the, the valuation, minus the price is actually negative right so uh, this is one of the drawbacks of fixing a high reserve price sorry sorry to interrupt sir can you repeat uh, or elaborate on that because when you say value the value inside the bidder's mind is that what you mean or can you yeah value in the bidder's mind minus the price that they pay right ah, okay, so fine. it is quite possible that the price that they pay because of the huge reserve price might be higher 
than the value that have attributed to that particular band of spectrum and therefore it can be negative of course you know in in this particular auction the rgo which picked up most of the 700 megahertz has also picked up the other bands and therefore overall the true valuation might be equivalent to the reserve price because the reserve price for the 3.3 and 26 gigahertz were quite low right i mean relatively lower compared to the 700 if i have to look at reserve price in isolation and say you know some of the bands have gone unbid for not sold is it like uh, you know the economy of an aeroplane ticket you know once the flight takes off with MC, empty seats that's it you've lost the opportunity to make revenue or are there opportunities how does it work in other developed economies like us or uk if there is and i understand your argument you know it's a national resource you cannot afford to waste spectrum so if you know the value is something that you expect you don't get that at least go for a lower value so that over a period of time you've actually earned revenue on that uh, asset so how does this work uh, availability of spectrum for later if somebody wants to come back and bid uh, are they going to be uh, more rounds much later maybe a year or two down the line when the density gets too much for telecom service providers to handle yeah exactly so uh, so as you have correctly pointed out spectrum cannot be stored right and therefore if you don't use the spectrum today then it is lost then it is gone the value of it is also gone. So uh, we, I and Sarohit uh, Prasad, who works very closely with me, have been advocating for a relatively lower uh, reserve price so that the truthful bidding enabled by this SMRA methodology will actually get the correct market price. Unfortunately, this has not happened. In fact, you know, to tell you the truth, the 600, 700 megahertz band are like golden bands, you know, because of the low frequencies, the uh, propagation characteristics are so good inside buildings, you know, uh, especially in the rural and remote areas. They, 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 are, they are good bands for the telcos to have to provide good quality of service. Unfortunately, this has not happened and this has been wasted for the last, uh, you know, since 2018, it has not yet been uh, sold. So, um, you know, I think the government has to realize that uh, there is value in uh, reducing the reserve price and then soon put it uh, for auction. See, uh, it is very important for the operators to get a clear visibility of the amount of spectrum that is there in the pipeline. I think uh, the government of India has done relatively well in saying that, you know, we will make available uh, the spectrum roadmap uh, uh, so that the bidders are aware of what we expect in the future. But uh, it is also time to revisit uh, the reserve price, especially for the lower, you know, sub gigahertz band, which have excellent characteristics for remote area and rural areas. 26 gigahertz is not of much use at all, right? So 26 megahertz, uh, 26 gigahertz band cannot even penetrate uh, walls in building and, and it is not good for in-building solutions. So uh, that is my take on this. So again, they should really reconsider uh, putting this bands, especially the bands which have not been sold at a relatively lower price, uh, reserve price soon. So what would your suggestion be? Is there a simple arithmetic formula so from what you say that reserve price has been determined as per the last, you know, the winning bid at the last time round? So, you know, just so that I understand it better, if if I say, um, you know, Virat Kohli has hit a, a double century, that does not become the benchmark for him going forward. He cannot hit a double century every time. <laughs> if that is the logic, then would we say, you know, three-fourths of that or 50% of that is a good average to expect from such as, you know, spectrum auction again? How does the arithmetic work? Correct. In fact, uh, it is. it may be good uh, for the government to look at the international prices. You know, for example, if you look at the international prices for uh, 700 megahertz, uh, I, uh, it is roughly uh, half of the reserve price that has been set now. 
right? So I think one way is to look at the reserve price uh, worldwide and then set it because uh, that's uh, probably one of the methodologies that we can possibly use. Uh, again, sorry to interrupt. You said half. You mean what has been set as reserve price now in the latest auction? Half of that value is the prevailing international reserve price? Um, Correct. Oh, okay. So uh, one way is to uh, use this uh, international norms. The other is, in fact, uh, it's okay. We have even proposed to having a zero reserve price, right? I mean, the objective is that uh, it is it is possible, uh, you know, because the simultaneous multiple crown ascending auction, because of its activity rules and eligibility criteria, and so many checks and balances that have been put in place, it is not possible to cheat the system. So if for example, a bidder is focused on having this at a certain value, then the methodology or the mechanism that is put in place will induce the buyer to bid at that particular level, right? And therefore, there is uh, no way by which collusions and things like that can happen uh, using this SMRI methodology and that uh, the actual bid price may be lower than the, uh, the value uh, the value that they have attributed. So, in fact, the SMRI should induce uh, truthful bidding and therefore the price the winning bid price should actually be equal to the valuation of that particular spectrum band. So, in fact, we have advocated at one instance that even zero reserve, so zero reserve price may not be possible for the government because of the so many queries that might come as to why you want to sell. Uh, I mean, the, the, the question is why you want to sell the spectrum at zero price, right? It's not selling price, it is just the reserve price, but still there might be some connotations for that. So, I would advise that we actually look at the international dollar per megahertz per pop in other uh, international markets and then set it accordingly. We have, in fact, uh, written a paper in telecommunications policy which goes into the details of how uh, these prices have been arrived So, you you mentioned that, you know, uh, there are no takers for these bands that we mentioned before or were little sold in some other bands uh, because of the reserve price problem. And you also mentioned that, you know, it's only the consumers who understand the pain of um, getting signals inside buildings or penetration in rural areas. So, assuming no further rounds of auctions take place with a lower reserve price, and this is what we have right now, uh, you know, what was as of Monday. What does this mean for service offerings for the future? Uh, do we continue? And as it is, I anecdotally, as a subscriber, telecom subscriber, I know that I get signals only in some corners of my house, especially if it's in the ground floor. So, uh, what can the subscribing customer base expect to miss out on? Whenever I get a 5G signal, your speeds are going to be fantastic. You know, whatever uses it, you can put it to very far, vastly different from 4G and 3G. But to get a signal, if you don't get it, too bad. Uh, is that how we'll continue to exist as we have? Yes, I'm afraid so. Right. So the, this signaling uh, signal uh, problems uh, will continue to exist because these high frequency bands which have been acquired by the telcos cannot really propagate through uh, larger distances. So, uh, you know, for example, um, the Adani group picking up 26 gigahertz may be for a different purpose because they might construct its own their own private network and also might lease out some of these assets for mobile operators later on. We don't know exactly how it is uh, going to be done, but uh, that is uh, for industrial use. 3.3 gigahertz is excellent. In fact, 3.3 gigahertz for constructing campus-wide network. You know, for example, you know, at Hindu, if you want to uh, have your own 5G network, or for example, in IIIT Bangalore, we want to have our own 5G network. 3.3 gigahertz is perfect. In 26 gigahertz, are also complement that. But unfortunately, it's not very useful for uh, public at large. So public at large have to uh, rely uh, on some technology such as, you know, voice over Wi-Fi, which has been deployed by most of the telcos. So if you have a Wi-Fi router connected to the landline, then 
when the signal is not present, then the phone gets attached to the Wi-Fi and therefore you can still get the calls, right? So those are all the technologies that are uh, being deployed by the operators and that will continue to be their norm in future. It's interesting. You actually touched upon a later question of mine, but I'll bring it up right now. You said you were puzzled um, as to why the Adani Group uh, picked up Spectrum instead of laying down its own uh, captive non-public network. You mean something akin, similar to fiber, optical fiber uh, wire, I mean tubes uh, under the ground? What is it that you mean when you said captive non-public networks for themselves? Yeah. yeah. So right. in the, in the you know, Department of Telecommunications has also issued a guideline recently on captive non-public network, which is uh, you know, an industry or an enterprise or even a software uh, export zone or uh, ACZs can construct their own private network for use within their campuses. But uh, they have said that the spectrum for that will be available in future uh, based on administrative pricing. So the, the future roadmap is not very clear. Probably that is one of the reasons why Adani uh, Group wanted to pick up the 26 gigahertz in the auction, through the auction road. Uh, they have a lot of port cities, they have SECs in which they can actually construct the uh, network using 26 gigahertz for 5G in that particular campus, right? So, which means that they can use it for their campus, but because they have obtained it through the licensed uh, road, uh, auction road, they can also uh, provide uh, public services. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure because Adani Group has not been a telco, it has not uh, ventured into the telecom space uh, earlier, and therefore it may be very difficult for them to roll out a public network, but they can definitely use it in their port cities or whatever it is for their own use, the enterprise use. That's what uh, is meant by captive non-public network. But the caveat is that uh, the captive non-public network cannot be connected to the public network, such as the public switch telephone network or public land mobile network. That's a very uh, important uh, criteria. So if it is, if it cannot be connected to the internet, for example, the network itself may not be of much use. And that may be one of the reasons why Adani Group might have gone for acquiring the spectrum through the auction route, which allows them, uh, their network to be connected to the public network, such as the internet. Okay. You touched upon a technical point and that will, you know, give us further insight into the use of these bands for telecom services. You actually say that you question whether the sub gigahertz band, that is 600 to 900 megahertz, are they still relevant in 5G? And you touch upon research that has shown that aggregation technique that combines spectrum across various bands provides better efficiency compared to even 5G networks. But you also say that it would have been ideal for operators to pick up the 700 megahertz brand for improving uh, uh, penetration. And you said that in, in our own interview a few minutes ago across rural and remote areas or inside buildings in urban areas. I uh, Is there a gap in my understanding? Because, you, you know, we question the efficacy of spectrum for 5G in these bands. But that, you know, uh, you also say operators should have picked it up. So, so what I'm saying is, see, most of the operators, I mean, all the three or four operators have upgraded uh, their network to offer 4G, right? 4G long-term evolution. 4G LTE networks are compatible across all these bands, right? So, uh, as we speak, uh, the, you know, carrier aggregation, what it means is that you can actually get the spectrum from different bands aggregated as a whole, you know, from 700, 800, 900, 2100, 2300, whatever it is. And then you can aggregate it as a whole and and have a larger block through which the uh, communication can happen between the towers and mobiles and so on. So uh, that gives, uh, that improves the spectral efficiency and therefore it is efficient to use it and it has been in existence for quite some time in the 4G area. So, you know, what I have pointed out is that if you deploy a 5G network using 
the 5G, specifically uh, 5G bands such as 3.3 GHz and 26 GHz, uh, you are guaranteed a higher throughput because it uses high frequencies, it uses 5G technologies, it has higher throughput. But uh, the the efficiency using these bands for 5G is can be to some extent compared with a 4G LTE network where the spectrum is aggregated across all bands. So what I'm saying is that, you know, if the operators had got 600, 700 or 800, then they could have used this carrier aggregation and just still deploy 4G LTE network in the access level and then use only the other part, the backhaul and other parts migrated to 5G and still give a good user experience. That's what I want to point out. So which means that, uh, you know, without 700, uh, you know, 800 sub gigahertz band, it is difficult to reach uh, the rural areas in building and so on. And therefore, it is a good, it, it can also, uh, I mean, since they don't have spectrum, carrier aggregation is also not possible. And therefore, it is not a good uh, so, uh, so solution for the customers. Okay, got it. Now, just to go into the details of the auction itself, it's interesting, you know, on the auction lasted, I think it went into the seventh day and only on day two, but after day two, it picked up intensity. So between day two and day seven, UP East as a circle saw a lot of uh, interest, intense competitive bidding. What was special about that circle that, uh, you know, the other circles did not see so much uh, competitive bidding? It's still a dark house, Bharat. <laughs> so UP East, I mean, I uh, see the only, you know, a couple of things that I can attribute to UP East. I mean, the vigorous bidding in UP East. In fact, if I look at it, uh, the uh, bidding has, you know, it it, it was quite a bit uh, in the, even at the last round. And roughly the winning bid price is 80% more than the reserve price of 18.2 crores per block. The winning bid price is about 32 or something like that. So it's quite high. Now, the reason for this is that uh, one possible reason is that uh, in UP East, the other bands are not available. You know, for example, 2100, 2300, 2500 megahertz are not available. And therefore, uh, the uh, operators had uh, no choice except to focus on 1800 megahertz uh, in the mid band to continue their services with reasonable good quality of service. The other important point is that the reserve price for the 1800 megahertz in UP East is roughly about, uh, you know, uh, 0.03, 3 cents per megahertz per pop, which is one of the lowest, right? Which is one of the lowest. Uh, So uh, lower reserve price combined with non-availability of spectrum in the other bands could have prompted the operators to bid vigorously for 1800 megahertz in UP East. Understood. So, if I have to look at the quantum uh, spent by the three private operators, the large ones, we see varying amounts that have been uh, invested or provisionally bid for and significant differences. Uh, Geo is by far the top rank and uh, followed a distant second by Airtel and Bharti Airtel and Vodafone is probably the lowest among the three. So, of course, it could be a reflection of what they thought worthwhile bidding for at a certain price also a reflection of uh, you know cash in hand for various companies it could be one of the two or uh, both but from a subscriber point of view what do we take away that the person who's bid the highest would have the best coverage and the density and the best quality of service and the person who uh, bid in terms of value for the lowest would not get as much what do we understand from these figures for say how services quality of services would be two years three years down the line for 5g Yes, yes. So if you remember, Bharat, we used to have 8 to 10 operators, right, in 2016. 
and that has dwindled down to three today plus uh, of course the bsnl mtnl combined so it has become an oligopoly so uh, and that is the nature of telecom business because of the huge infrastructure cost and spectrum cost that is involved and that's the norm in most of the countries including the us now yes the huge uptake of spectrum by reliance geo will definitely give it an advantage right and wattage in terms of provisioning of new services uh, especially video intensive services uh, integrate their telecom portfolio with content and applications is all possible for Arjun. And definitely they uh, stand tall in that particular order. And Bharti Airtel, because of its uh, legacy network, will also be in a position to support. Uh, see, we estimate, we expected these kind of things to happen because the earnest money that was put in just before the auction started was in that order. The highest earnest money was put in by Reliance Geo, followed by Airtel, followed by Vodafone Idea and then the Adani Group, uh, just about 100 crores. So it was expected. This uh, activity in the bidding process was uh, really expected. So uh, now the question is, uh, can Vodafone Idea with its uh, lower motor spectrum and the cash crunch position is able to uh, survive? in the competitive landscape can they offer something maybe leveraging on their global experience to provide the unique service uh, can they leverage the vodafone for business much effectively compared to for example the other operators because they have the vodafone enterprise service which looks at the enterprise customers so those are all open so it is quite possible that uh, they have to change their strategy in order to compete in the business to consumer market uh, with uh, the retail market which is going to be uh, vigorously competitive uh, due to the huge presence of reliance you and uh, just one more question sir so uh, before the auctions began the cellular operators were um, uh, objecting intensely to the fact that enterprises are all allowed to bid like adani group has but considering that adani group is the only enterprise uh, that has bid for spectrum without the intent to go offer retail subscription services you know are the fears of cellular operators at rest or you, what, i wanted to understand your view because if it's spectrum is on tap like you know two months later if i'm a large enterprise uh, i haven't bid for spectrum yet but i want to go do it then can i do that and which means you know are, are cellular operators justified in saying you know i could have sold to this particular enterprise but you give them spectrum that's a loss of opportunity revenue opportunity for me what is your view on this sir See, uh, it is still ambiguous as to how the spectrum is going to be administratively priced and given for uh, captive non-public networks. Because what the government uh, has indicated is that based on the auction price, an administrative pricing mechanism will be set. And uh, the those who want to have captive non-public networks uh, will be offered spectrum at the administrative price. Now, it is a very big question mark as to how the administrative price will be set. Now, if it is, uh, you know, the same as the winning bid price in this particular auction for a particular band, then telcos will be happy because, the, the, again, the spectrum is going to be relatively expensive for constructing a captive non-public network. Uh, but if the administrative price is set lower, uh, then, of course, the telcos will say that, you know, if it had been offered at that price, then we would have gotten that and then we would also provided the non-public network so uh, there is a big question mark on as to how the administrative pricing will be set for the capital non-public network but uh, i think uh, telcos uh, cannot complain at this point of time because uh, most uh, i mean only the three incumbents who are legacy operators have got the incumbent operators have got the uh, spectrum and uh, the new operator was uh, very much focused on a particular band and also its uh, specific uh, license service areas. Okay. 
Excellent, sir. I have exhausted my list of questions. I've got great insight from you. Anything else you think we should have discussed in this context? Any gaps? So even though, uh, you know, the press uh, is saying that, you know, uh, we have uh, received uh, winning, uh, you know, bid prices worth about 150,000 crores or more, I would say that uh, it uh, the auction has been a little bit disappointing, right? Uh, they're disappointing because of two factors. One is the large amount of spectrum, you know, especially the good bands in the sub-gigahertz sub band has gone unsold. That is one. The second thing is that uh, it is not very clear as to how this 26 gigahertz is going to be put in use, put to use uh, by the uh, by the uh, telcos because these 26 gigahertz band are very highly restrictive bands, right? So they they have very poor you know propagation characteristics and they may be suitable only for certain areas such as you know you can build a 26 gigahertz 5G network in malls or railway stations or airports. These are all for specific purposes and it's not very clear whether it will be of any use to retail customers who are sitting at home. So the, the other important thing is that uh, who is the winner, right? Is the government the winner? Of course, they've got 150,000 crores, but they would have got more if they had priced uh, some of these bands appropriately, right? Because uh, as we have seen, uh, this spectrum is very price-sensitive commodity. The price elasticity of demand is very high. Therefore, if the price decreases a bit, the demand could have been more and then the revenue, overall revenue could have been more for the government. The second thing is uh, the operators. The operators would have been really, really, uh, you know, well off if uh, they had gotten these sub band, especially for the rural and remote areas. And if you look at the 4G LTE penetration in our country, we have saturated most of the towns and small towns, metros uh, and million plus cities uh, with 4G LTE solutions, services. Uh, only the uh, remote areas and semi-urban areas are not covered yet. About 30 percent of the subscriber base does not have yet the LTE coverage, and uh, this was this could have been really possible using the uh, sub kilohertz band. Unfortunately, we missed the action in this particular front. Excellent, thank you so much. I really appreciate your being with us and offering your perspectives. Look forward to being in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, Bharat. Thanks to Hindu for having me. Thank you. Bye. In focus, we'll be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.